Hi, I'm Yushuan Su. And I'm Connor Campbell. You're listening to Into the Unknown. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Into the Unknown. Um, on today's episode, we are going to discuss a few current affairs surrounding sports. Uh, to give you a little snippet, we're going to be going into the ban of the Russian and Belarusian athletes from a number of sports and sporting bodies. Um, the White Review in British Gymnastics. We're going to go into a little bit of um, our, or Yushuan is going to delve into his expertise and talk a little bit about <laughs> the Casta Semenya decision back in 2019. And um, we're going to delve into some intersex sports. Basically, um, we've uh, we've been watching the news. We have, and a lot has been happening over the last couple of weeks, couple of months in the world of sport and mm. in the world around sports. And you know, quite early on um, in our in our podcast, one of the earlier episodes, I think we brought on Tim Harper, who is the CEO and founder of the charity Equity Sport. And mm. they obviously deal with, and if you haven't listened to that episode, uh, we had a, he, he was extremely insightful and we had a great chat. So I highly recommend listening to it, but the equity sport, obviously they, they're a charity that deals with a lot of the inequalities and inequities in sport globally, mm. whether that's to do with resources, opportunities and policies that governing bodies put out and you know, rules and regulations surrounding different sports and, and athletes around the world. And so actually, I, I get a lot of my sort of news and information about and around sport from Tim and from mm. Equity Sport. And so a lot of this, they've released statements on, and it's always quite an interesting read to get their perspective and see sort of their actions and what they plan to do in their statement releases. So also look that up if you haven't already seen them um and i think it was it must have been our second episode of the podcast we called it the djokovic dilemma we did yeah um, you know when novak djokovic got banned from playing in the australian open or mm. he had some visa issues and that was to do with uh him not him refusing to to disclose whether he was vaccinated or not that sort of thing Anyway, we're like a world past that now, it feels, because yeah, Wimbledon was a couple of weeks ago. And spoilers, if you haven't seen it, Djokovic won the men's <laughs> title. Um, so he was allowed to play, but this time other people weren't allowed to play. Yeah. And Con, do you want to go into that a little bit? Yeah, so if you have been, if you have been living under a rock, you might have missed that... Um, <laughs> the unfortunate event of what's going on in Europe at the moment. Uh, and without going into too much depth, um, essentially what's happened is a lot of sporting sporting bodies, um, national governing bodies uh, and organisers have decided to ban or suspend Russia and Belarus or Russian athletes. Um why have they made that decision? Well, quite simply because they've decided to have an act of war against uh, Ukraine. Um, and so essentially 
a lot of these sporting bodies have have in the in light of of what sport is supposed to represent and i'm sure that it will be interesting and actually tim brought this up about you know fairness and equality um and being able to have accessibility that's no longer the case if you decide to almost i mean invade another country then it puts a lot of pressure on different organizations especially within sport to make the decision as to whether banning russia and belarus russian athletes is 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 a good decision um back in march i read an article actually i've read a lot of a lot of different news articles based on this um and i actually discussed that first-hand experience our national governing body the one that i work with had also decided to ban um or at least not ban but at least sign um a petition to to ban russian and belarusian athletes from participation in the sport that i'm involved in and that subsequently has gone ahead so they've been banned from future events until at least the secession of the invasion that i think that's an important thing to consider as well is it's not that that people are ostracizing this country because of the actions that they've done in the past or they might do in the future. It's just telling them that if you continue to deploy troops in Ukraine and continue down the path that you are currently going down, then you'll no longer be able to, to play sport with anybody else. Mm. Um, and I think that's important to understand because like, ultimately it's like we want everybody to compete, right? If everyone is talking about equality and fairness, then yes, of course, we would love everybody to compete. But at the same time, sporting bodies have quite a lot of power when it comes to, and we actually spoke about this in one of our first episodes, was whether sport actually has any political power and is is should be allowed to have that much power um and i think that's probably a separate topic for another for another episode it's definitely um, definitely related though like yeah you know the fact that uh, and i remember one of the things that stood out to me when um tim came onto the podcast is that he said that you know we can't just play with people who who agree with us you know, yeah who we want want to, to play with. yeah we have to play with people who we don't want absolutely yeah and that's what that's what an open and diverse sporting world essentially comes down to and that's yeah. what equality is yeah but on the other hand the bigger picture is that russia has literally invaded a country and mm. is killing people of that country mm. and so to to look at that in that in that lens and see it as a way of applying pressure to the Russian government and what Russia's doing in terms of you know the war and 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 their actions. So it, it's a really difficult, I guess, way of balancing balancing the two. I, I think mm-hmm. it's a tough one because they're you know who at the end of the day whether or not I agree with that specific decision made by many sporting bodies, many governing bodies, um, 
in different sports across the world, including, you know, the heavy hitters like FIFA, mm -hmm. you know, like world rugby, mm -hmm. um, their decisions to, uh, and obviously um, with Wimbledon that we saw a couple of weeks ago, their decision to ban Russian athletes and ban Russia from hosting sporting events, whether or not I agree with it and we agree with it, mm -hmm. it begs the question as to who, who actually has the power to make these decisions and who decides, you know, what is worth banning? Yeah. And what, you know, whose actions are severe enough to ban nations from competing and hosting and sporting events around the world. Yeah. Because on one hand, Russia has started war and is killing loads of people. Um, <laughs> and at the same time, it's that there are also several different wars around the world. Absolutely. And different conflicts and, and different crimes that are being committed, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. Um, around the world by different countries so I think it's really important to see the bigger picture and I, I understand that the Russian ban is kind of the bigger picture to the sporting world but the bigger well, bigger picture is that there's also other things going on like what are we doing about that and that's not to discount mm. what's going on in, in Russia and in Ukraine obviously but I think it's just important to remember that at the end of the day, it comes down to people in power who Absolutely. have the power and ability to make these decisions and, and you know, what's going on with the yeah. rest of the world, you know? I think you make an interesting point as well, because you say that obviously, um, you know, this, I think the major difference is that this is very close to home for a lot of people. Um, and one thing that I've noticed is that, especially in Western media, it's very easy to be wrapped up in what's happening within Europe or what's happening within America. Whereas you just perfectly pointed out that there's, there's at least, I don't even know, maybe five, six, seven wars going on around the world in different um, third world countries, maybe not even third world countries, maybe other countries. And because there's less coverage of it, because there's, maybe not even coverage, just there's less transparency about what's going on and they don't really know how to tackle those issues. I think a lot of people look at that and they go, well, you know, you perfectly pointed out that how come it's just Russia? Well, it's just Russia at the moment because it's Western media. There's a lot more power involved there. And I'd say probably more of a democracy, which I think is important because people have a choice. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. People have a choice as to whether, you know, we as a governing body, when we decided to sign the petition, we're humans and we're deciding to ban other humans, which is not an easy decision to make. But when it comes to big organizations like FIFA, UEFA, IOC, yes, they are humans, but they have a lot more sway, a lot more power, like you mentioned. Mm. Um, and off air, we were just talking about, it's not just about, you know, national governing bodies banning um, countries and athletes. What's happened now and what's kind of transpired is that UEFA have now ended its massive multi, probably billion dollar sponsorship deal with Gazprom, which is uh, a massive Russian energy company, mm. um, or probably one of the biggest energy companies in the world, to be quite honest. So again, that now feeds into financial um 
blockades of of Russia basically not getting sponsorships from UEFA. Um, they've also decided to <clears throat> withhold sporting competitions from Russia as well. You know, uh, and I think that again has a knock-on effect. We were talking about this that lots of sporting events actually draw in money, lots of money. Um, and they can use that to fuel their economy, not just sporting economy, but just their economy in general. Yeah. And so <clears throat> to decide to, to not just ban that country, but to withhold competitions from those countries is huge because it's no longer just about, yeah, sorry, your athletes can't compete on the world stage. It's yeah, sorry, you can't, you can't host any events, basically meaning that your sporting economy unless it's within your own country is null and void yeah um, yeah and and economy in in general yeah yeah the countries economy i mean look at and and i think a lot of it comes down to how much <clears throat> international pressure is put on these governing bodies as well because yeah you know if we look at say um the winter olympics in beijing when there was a little bit of pressure from some people put uh, you know put on the ioc and, and stuff like that to to boycott that olympics because of certain things that have come out that have happened or or have allegedly happened but you know that decision ended up you know not being as strong as what a lot of these these governing bodies have done with with russia and at the same time, like like we we were mentioning, you know, everything else that's happening in the world. I mean, look at Yemen, look at Afghanistan and yeah, uh, yeah. all these other countries. And I think they've just kind of missed the media cycle a little bit. Mm. Or, you know, it, it's I mean, look at look at COVID, for example, and the difference in in producing a vaccine for COVID versus vaccines and and other treatments for a lot of different diseases that have been around for much longer, but there was just a lot more pressure to produce something for COVID. Mm. You know, it was a lot more of an international crisis. And that's, I think, similar to what's happening here. But it'd be interesting as well, like, what were your sort of thoughts and feelings when making that decision um, from your governing body to, to, to make a decision sort of against russian athletes i think um i guess the easiest way to explain this would be that for me it was more about the bigger picture rather than you know when we were when we were at the beijing olympics mm. now i keep i keep saying it but we <laughs> were competing with russian athletes yeah, there was there were loads of them. They were very friendly. We were speaking to them all the time, and I'm not saying that they're bad people at all. They're not. Um, but it does make the decision more personal that mm. you now know that what you are doing is blocking athletes that you know in person. Um, but then when you actually sit down and think about it, you're like, well, actually, the bigger picture is that if we can have an impact, if we can have a say in stopping the atrocities, then it's a no brainer for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like it, it's not personal. At first, I thought it would be, mm. you know, like 
I know some Russian athletes in person, but at the end of the day, it's not personal. You know, they might think it is, but it's the bigger picture. I just want to make sure that not even just Ukraine, but this just doesn't happen again. Yeah. You know, um, and you, you actually, I think what you, what you mentioned was, was really apt was, you know, places like Yemen, Afghanistan, missing the kind of media, the media circle that it's still so strange that it's not just about the media. It's about just sporting organizations having so much sway over the media to actually be able to get this out into the channels and say, we're, ba- we're doing this, we're banning this. Yeah. But Afghanistan and Yemen, I don't know if they've got very many sporting organizations, if I'm yeah. being honest with you. So the power that those sporting organizations hold is probably next to nothing. Yeah. Which is strange to think that you could have so much power in just, well, sport. It's a great thing, but then again, is it? It's, it's a moral and ethical conflict of... Well, yeah, who holds the power? In exactly, that? yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, with, on, on that, of, of things that have, that may have missed the media cycle <laughs> and things that aren't in the spotlight mm. is Barbara Banda. Yeah. Who is a Zambian footballer and she plays for the Zambia women's national team uh she was the captain of the zambia women's national football team actually and professionally she moved from zambia to shanghai to play for the shanghai shangli which so she could play professional football and you know she kind of i've not personally seen it on sort of our mainstream news which really surprised me when i read about it because it is actually such a big deal um and i actually read about it I, I first heard about it through again through tim um yeah and then later on through some articles that i read on the athletic and you know uh looking more into it but basically for yeah for people who don't know that um barbara banda in the most recent uh women's african football championship the wafcon 2022 she had been banned from playing Mm -hmm. and that was following uh, these gender verification tests um that have been uh, that 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 have been rolled out basically by the confederation of african football that that govern the they're basically the governing body for african football team uh they're like the fifa of africa and their claim is that these gender verification tests are in line with and trying to uh, adhere to FIFA rules for, for gender verification but that's still a little bit unclear as to whether or not they are in line and, and whether that level of testing is necessary um, mm. but long story short Banda failed the test because she had a, a level of testosterone that was that exceeded their, the limit that was put for women's footballers by the CAF, mm. the Confederation of African Football, and as a result, hasn't been able to play for Zambia, mm. um, especially in, in the most recent WAFCON tournament. 
And so, you know, for me, that is a classic case of, of exclusion. Yeah. You know, it's, um, yeah, a, a little bit more background is that Barbara was, you know, she, that level of testosterone is, is naturally occurring as it were, you mm. know, there has been no signs of t- her taking testosterone. There's been no signs of uh, any, any doping allegations or anything like that. She is biologically a woman, but her levels of testosterone exceed you know the the number that that calf have imposed um and yeah i I mean it's quite a it's quite a heavy thing to happen it's for me it just sounds like an extremely intrusive and unnecessary way of of governing who plays and who doesn't yeah you know Uh, and um tim actually makes a really good point um in his he he sort of contributed to he he gave an interview for the article on the athletic and he said that these sort of these sort of invasive and and unnecessary testing and 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 intrusions to to the bodies of these women athletes these female athletes is it's sort of kind of it, it perpetuates these inequalities and it it's almost it's disproportionately impacting certain groups of women within the global sporting ecosystem you know yeah. and what he means by that is that and and you know the the research shows that actually a lot of these uh gender testing and verification methods and these numbers that we put to say are oh, the testosterone levels too high blah blah their um, sort of Western standards of, of 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 testing and of verification, and they don't quite fit in with a lot of what we now know about, you know, say women of of African origin um, and people like that who may have slightly different levels of testosterone and higher levels of testosterone that are again completely naturally occurring. Mm um so to impose those kind of western standards and what we quote unquote accept as the Mm. standards of being a female athlete you know to impose that on all women you know obviously that then has has a kind of disproportionate effect on you know negatively impacting athletes uh, um from from around the world that don't quite fit into that Mm. and then there's the issue of then then they're being made to take certain drugs you know suppressants to suppress the level of testosterone in their body in order to that for them to play so you know that's basically the governing body saying you know you have to it's a bit ironic because they're then taking given drugs to take yeah yeah in order to be quote unquote the natural yeah, yeah. amount of of testosterone to play against other women, um, and the problem with that is that hormone suppression or just hormone like therapy have so many side effects because it's mm. essentially just blocking androgen, which is the the testosterone producer. Um, 
you know, like I remember this is kind of linked to the Castor Semini case, which I know that we'll go on to in a second, but like even just things like, you know, potential insulin resistance, fatigue, um i know that some people have have actually developed damage to like the liver damage to like their central nervous system so it's not just about oh yeah just suppress your hormones yeah and, you know it's it's a different know, yeah 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 100 percent. and that's probably the main reason why she barbara vanda refused to take these hormone suppressants mm. because of you know, this myriad of, of side effects that might occur. And the same thing with Casa Semenya, who, who refused to take the hormone suppressants and therefore wasn't allowed to. So, so Casa Semenya is a South African athlete and, you know, multiple medal wins um, mm. in the Olympics and the World Games and the African Championships. And so she's a middle distance runner and truly successful middle distance runner who was born biologically intersex. Mm. And so she was, she was pronounced female at birth. Um, and interestingly, quite early on, she passed a lot of these gender verification tests. You know, so she was able to compete as a female. And, you know, she is in every other sense of the word female. And she's a, she's a woman um biologically she's intersex and an xy female which it, you, you know it's a it's a whole different debate like why you know the categories that we have in sport don't quite fit in to these naturally occurring uh instances you know being intersex is natural like she didn't take a drug to be intersex you know she didn't take anything to to have these heightened levels of testosterone um because her body produces it naturally mm. and the way in which we measure that and the way in which we categorize athletes don't fit in with the natural you know what's natural and, and what our body naturally produces and mm. the natural case of Casa Semenya, not the other way around you know, it's not that she doesn't fit in with the categories. You know, I personally don't think that it should be viewed that way because it makes her seem like something that's, you know, unnatural, that's abnormal um, and something that, or, or that she's at fault. Yeah. Which I don't think she is because, you know, she's not done anything to, you know, produce those levels of testosterone as just something that is naturally occurring within her body and as a result she hasn't been able to compete in her sport either yeah i think it's interesting like that it it seems it almost seems it's quite weird how they were both a allowed to compete in the first instance, even though they knew, even though the sporting um, like world athletics knew that her testosterone levels were high, Semenya, they let her compete. And then only after she competed, they said, actually, because you did so well, we, we're going to have to ban you. 
and similar to Banda, uh, I'm pretty sure that she she was ready to play in the African Conference, right? Yeah, yeah, she reading was the there. Yeah. She was there and she was still, you know, sat at the sidelines and supporting her team. And so they then decided, you've done really well, but actually I think we're probably going to have to ban you because, you know, your testosterone is a little high. For those that don't know, from what I understand, World Athletics have basically decided that I think it's more than five um, nanomoles per litre of blood um, or or like or above uh, is um, is is too much. Um, And so if they have an athlete that tests for that, um, then they they have been recommended to, to take medication to reduce their blood testosterone. Um, and that's for like six to 12 months or something. So that's not a short amount of time. Um, yeah, it's just crazy. And the, the other question to ask is like, when does that stop? Because if it's just like, obviously if you're looking at this, if you're looking at Casta Semenya, if looking at Banda, then you know, predominantly, and I hate to pose this question, but I think it's prominent and I want to dig into this, is that predominantly, um, you know, they're both um, African women, Mm. right? And you made the point that actually African women naturally, do they naturally have higher testosterone? Because if they do, that's that's a biological problem, as in you cannot fix that. It shouldn't be fixed. So they need to rewrite the rule book because otherwise it means that there, there's going to be tons of cases every year. You're going to have the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's absolutely. Just, it's not fair that if, it, you know, at the minute they're just putting this down to, Oh yeah, they have night, um, night, sorry. They have high testosterone. Okay. Well, if they have high testosterone, how do they have high testosterone? Cause if it's a biological matter, you can't, you can't do anything about that. You and also, to... also, what is high testosterone? You know, yeah. what is that? that? That's only relative to, you know, or, or proportionate <clears throat> to, to what we know as mm. high testosterone. And that's, again, governed by these policies uh, and, and put out by governing bodies. And, and you know, it's, Tim uh, made the point, and also a lot of scholars within that, within this f- sort of field have made the point uh, Dr. Sylvia Camparisi has, has been a big sort of advocate for for supporting cases like Casta Semenya. And she was actually also my master's tutor, which is pretty cool because <laughs> uh, I was pretty interested in, in stuff like yeah. this. But, um, you know, she she I remember she published a paper that argued that basically, yeah, there are thousands you know tens of thousands of of women who biologically have higher testosterone or are biologically in one way or another don't fit the mold of what sporting bodies declare as a female athlete Mm. and so these these people are being excluded you know these people are being disproportionately and you know, unfairly excluded from sport because of their biology. And either that has to change or the rules have to change. And, 
you know the flip side the argument for that for these rules is that these rules exist to protect women's sport mm. you know the the you know the these rules exist because women naturally have a lower amount of testosterone than men again a sort of biological fact and and in order for them to compete in in a fair way in an equal way against each other there needs to be i guess rules that define who's allowed to be in that category mm. yeah and i also think it's crazy that average levels of testosterone in males ranges from 10 to 30 nanomoles per liter in women they're now being told that five nanomoles per liter is too much yeah five that's not even the minimum for a man yeah and i think that's insane that okay you're almost saying that okay well ladies who have naturally higher testosterone levels for whatever reason um it can't be more than five i mean it can but for sporting context they've said that it can't yeah which is i don't know it's just crazy it's I, a, how is that normal well That's it's, not... a diff- it's a difficult argument because you know and, and, and i can see that the argument that that this these rules have to exist to yeah in order to protect women's sport and make women's sport fair otherwise they just compete against the men Mm. but you know it's balancing having fair women's sport to balancing that with also not excluding and sort of systemically excluding certain women Mm. and i think that's the line that has to be drawn you know um it's you know and so my my issue is that actually not so much the rules but the the people who use these debates as a way of castigating um say or 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 kind of normalizing and validating sort of more bigoted racist beliefs and values about about women of color and mm. women who don't fit this western mold of what it is to be a woman and yeah. as well as you know trans athletes uh trans women athletes who mm-hmm. compete in women's sports um you know there, there's a lot of debate around that and we see a lot of of um arguments that are masked you know, in, in a way that are masked in protecting women's sport and protecting women and making women's sport fair. But actually, they're just pushing an agenda of inequality and pushing an agenda of exclusion for mm-hmm. potentially women of color, potentially, mm-hmm. you know, people who they don't want to see involved in the sport. So it's quite um quite a fine line to tread and and you know we don't we don't have the answers nor do we know the answers and you know we we do plan to bring people on who have some answers i Um, think one last thing that i wanted to point point out that you mentioned 
back when I interrupted a little while ago was, um, you know, you mentioned kind of like what is fair, why why have they decided to put this kind of normal range in place? And I put normal in inverted commas, but like, first of all, what does normal mean <laughs> to anybody? Normal, I don't even know what that's like an arbitrary statement. It doesn't exactly mean anything. But then the other thing that you've just mentioned is it definitely seems like it's almost like an inappropriate reaction to fear that you've seen women who have naturally higher testosterone come and absolutely wreck the world of sports. And when I mean wreck, I mean like they are smashing it. Yes, you could argue maybe it's because they've got higher testosterone, but if that's naturally occurring, they are playing with people within their country who probably have the same genetically naturally occurring high testosterone. It's only because when they compete against women who don't have naturally occurring high testosterone that they are ostracized. So it's almost, it almost seems like it's a reaction to fear, like, oh, shit, we, we don't want to lose this. Oh, wait, she's got naturally high testosterone. Let's ban her because she might win everything. <laughs> like, it's, it's a slippery slope to to lots of other things, I think. Yeah. Not just to naturally high testosterone, which I think is, is kind of following on from actually what you were saying. So I just wanted to back that up. But, you know, the, the flip side of that is that it's a slippery slope the other way as well, I think. Mm. Yeah, I mean, what are your... Th- I don't, I don't mean to put you on the spot. I, I, I kind of mean to put you on the spot. But, <laughs> um, you know, what happens with women with unnaturally high testosterone? i.e. women who don't like tra- yeah. trans women for example who mm. um i guess naturally biologically mm. have higher levels of testosterone but more than that of a of of someone who's born a female um competing in sports where testosterone is a major factor in the performance of that sport such as i don't know such weightlifting as weightlifting yeah sprinting um, and you know, just to add to that, there are safety concerns within within that. You know, and that's a debate that is happening currently uh, within within women's rugby and within world rugby. You know, when it comes down to more than just performance. You know, when you're on the pitch with people who could literally <laughs> like kill you. Um, mm you know within the the barriers of that sport um there are also safety concerns for for the for women for Mm -hmm. for, you know female athletes and yeah that's just to kind of paint a fuller picture of of the debate and the argument i would say it's difficult because i think it this is confusing sex with gender like sex refers to biology and gender is referring to like social role and self-identification. So to compare women who potentially have naturally high testosterone versus say transgender athletes, you have sex versus you're comparing sex with gender potentially. Um, or at least that's the way that I see it. And I, I, it, it, I, I'd say it, it's slightly more difficult to discuss as a topic because 
essentially, I know that a lot of people aren't going to see it this way, but I'm going to say it anyway, and I'm happy to discuss it and, and be righted, but there's slightly more of a choice. And I hate to say that, but, and, and this is the thing I want to bring on experts because I want to be able to discuss this topic and understand both sides of the coin, you know, because I think it's important not only to call people out and say, this is wrong, this is right. Okay, who cares whether it's wrong, whether it's right? What do we do? How do we make it fair for everybody? Not normal, fair. How can everybody compete? Whether it be, I don't know, I don't even know where you would start because I don't, I don't, I'm unfortunately not an expert in this as much as I'd love to be. Um, yeah, I know that's probably a, uh, <laughs> you're laughing. <laughs> the thing is, is it can't, that can't be, I don't think it can ever be implemented. Like where, do, where would you start with that? In terms of like categories yeah. like for trans athletes. Because I know that you have categories for disabilities, but it's not a disability. It's entirely different. Well, it's the same. So categories for trans athletes, you know, along mm. the same lines, we could have categories for, I don't know, intersex athletes, blah, blah, blah. And all of them face the same problem or barrier that there's just not enough. No. Like there's not enough people to where does it stop actually make it a competition? Yeah. And also the other problem is then you're you're then saying, well, actually, at least this is my view, you're then saying, well, you're going to go into this category because you're different to the other people. So you can't compete with these people. That then potentially means, as you mentioned, if there's less people, there's less funding. If there's less funding, no one's going to watch it. You know, so it's really difficult to figure out actually what's the middle ground. How can you get, how can you have athletes that don't have naturally occurring high testosterone athletes that do have naturally occurring high testosterone athletes that have, who are transgender that have hormone replacement therapy, whether it be to reduce their or suppress their hormone or to increase their hormone yeah. of testosterone. Yeah. Where does it's... that start? Where does it fit? Like, where does it start? Where does it stop? You know, yeah. because one, I, we have moved on quite a bit as, mm. as a society, I think, than very rigid men and women's categories. Yeah. But for some reason in sport, that's still where it is. Mm. And, you know, whether we like it or not, it, it's about, if we all agree that, you know, these categories and sports in general should be inclusive, should be fair, mm. you know, should be equal. How do we balance those values when we are excluding athletes from, from competing in the category that they have always competed in and the category that they believe they should be competing in mm. because they don't fit? certain biological markers but then if they compete in it does it make it fair and equal for the other the other athletes mm. who do fit into those biological markers you know what needs to change and um yeah you know battling between both sides of fair and equal and inclusive without mm. excluding um 
and I'd love to hear people's opinions on this. Absolutely. Um, if your opinions are just fueled by bigotry and racism, then leave them out because that's not helpful to anyone. But, you know, genuine opinions on this, on what can be done, I would love to hear. And, and, and just, just another, to, to finish on this topic, I, I think we have to remember that these are real people. Mm. You know, um, and we've had many guests on this podcast who have shared their sort of personal stories, um, which are powerful, irrespective of their um, performance and achievements of that as athletes, etc. You know, we have to remember that first and foremost, they're, they're people and it's real people being affected by these rules and these policies that have been set. Um, and it's real people that are being included excluded whatever so yeah yeah thank you very much guys for listening we hope you found that interesting again i know we dug into a lot of big topics and some of them might have been slightly more controversial than others i hope that we were able to as a podcast you know we we're here to share our opinions so one if you don't agree with them if you do agree with them but as you rightly said don't be a dick (laughs) <laughs> you know, we're not here to be to be racist or um, misogynistic. We're here to just voice a fair opinion. Um, so if you have constructive feedback, um, whether it be positive or negative, please let us know because it always helps us grow. And thank you guys for listening to another episode of Into the Unknown. Catch you on the next one. So, Yushuan, do you want to plug where people can find you? Yeah, so on Instagram, I am at yushuan.su.eventing. On Facebook, I am yushuan.su.eventing. And my website is suyushuaneventing.com. What about you, Connor? Mine is at Connor Lift Stuff on Instagram and at Stoic Strength Systems on Instagram. And we was also just set up a Patreon under the same name, Stoic Strength Systems. So give those a follow. I will put the links all down in the description if I figure out how to do it. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure you like, share and subscribe to the podcast on wherever you listen to your podcast. And we'll see you next time.